Welcome to the podcast for Runaway. I'm the author, Sabine Wilder, here to read my book to you. Let's get started. Chapter 7. Test Run Something was wrong, something deep in the pit of Susan's stomach. Hands closed around her, iron bars forming a cage. She strained against them, but struggling only made them tighter. Her emotions, normally wrapped up so neatly, began to unravel. Fear howled through her, and anger frothed at the mouth, threatening to overrun her body. She tried to control them, but it was like holding sand. The harder she squeezed, the more escaped. Clouds rolled away from the darkness, revealing a piercingly bright moon, exerting its pull over her raging emotions. Susan fought for control, but her body wouldn't respond. Then the world turned red, the moon reflecting a ghastly crimson, and suddenly Susan could move again. However, her hands and feet felt like they were sticking to the ground beneath her. Susan looked down, and Jim's terrified, dead face stared back at her. Susan cried out, but all that came out was a howl. Throwing her covers in every direction, Susan bolted upright. Her skin went cold as the sweat drenching her pajamas met the air of her bedroom. She raised a hand to wipe her face, but couldn't stop her fingers trembling, so she shoved them back under the sheets. Her chest heaved, and she focused on taking deep breaths. Eventually, her hammering heart slowed, and her muscles released. Another nightmare. It had been the same every night since the accident. Since she killed Jim. Fresh guilt flooded Susan, and she drew her knees to her chest, squeezing herself into a ball. Every morning was the same. She woke up terrified, only to be reminded that she was the most terrifying thing in the room. Susan released her knees, throwing her legs over the side of the bed and springing to her feet. She needed to do something. She needed to escape the endless wheel of torment her mind kept reciting for her. She needed to go for a run. Susan hadn't been out for a run since that night, which was strange because this was the time she could have used a run the most. Everything in the past week had been a blur of mourning, police, doctors, news broadcasts, tears and grieving. School had been a bad idea. Susan thought she could escape if she buried herself in work, but then the looks in the halls and the half-audible whispers that she had found Jim were more than she could take. Susan was unprepared for the amount of sympathy people gave her. She didn't want it. She didn't deserve it. It was enough to make her want to scream at everyone, but that rage was quickly doused by the fear of what might happen if she lashed out at anyone. So Susan had been reining everything in, keeping a tight lid on her emotions. The funeral was by far the most trying. Seeing Jim's grieving family, Susan wanted to throw herself at their feet and beg for forgiveness. It was evident that the small community had been shaken by Jim's death, as the turnout for the funeral was astronomical. Susan bore witness to it all. It was the least she could do. It was the only thing she could do. But it didn't ease her suffering. Then again, she wanted to suffer. She deserved it. After all, it was her fault. Susan pulled some running clothes out from the piles of dirty laundry littering her bedroom floor. She dressed herself mechanically, then snuck down the hall toward the back door as quietly as possible. It was still early, and her mother and brother were sleeping. She didn't want to wake them. She also didn't want to have an argument with her mother about how going into the bush this time of year was dangerous because the bears were hungry and preparing to hibernate. Susan stifled a laugh. 
She was probably more dangerous than any old black bear. She ran her fingers over her running shoes as she put them on, tugging the laces into place. She stood at the back entrance for a moment, but the house remained quiet. Satisfied she hadn't disturbed anyone, Susan reached for the door. The outside world was grey. Clouds diffused the morning light of the November sky, threatening rain, or possibly snow. The bush was quiet, save for the wind rippling through the barren branches. It was early in the morning, but the hazy light made it hard to tell the exact time. Everything smelled old and brittle, waiting for winter to spread its frozen shroud over it. Susan waded through the limp grass of the lawn, heading for the mouth of a trail that led down toward the creek. Her breath misted before her, and the cold air stung her throat. The bush held a damp tang to it, full of wet leaves and wood, along with mushrooms past their prime. Rotting vegetation was making its winter bed, settling in for the long nights and short days ahead. Susan broke into a run when she hit the trail, shaking the chill from her legs. At first her muscles protested, but the punishing ache satisfied her. She pushed on, finding her stride. It was easy going, since the trail started with a steep hill, winding its way down to the creek. Gravity pulled her down, but Susan relished the feeling of control as she descended at a steady pace. After a week of living in fear of her own body, running was reassuring. The trail opened up and wove alongside the creek. Susan stamped her feet into the earth, picking up speed, letting herself go. She should have gone out earlier, but denying herself the pleasure of freedom seemed appropriate at the time. She didn't deserve to feel good about anything, but maybe running would keep her in check. Susan ran faster, pushing herself up a hill toward an outcrop of rock. She dug in, fighting gravity as hard as she could. Then the hill crested and the resistance melted away. Susan came to a stop and let her breathing go ragged. Her legs trembled underneath her as she leaned forward, the cold air tearing at her throat. A metallic tang stirred in her mouth, but she spat it out. She had pushed too hard, but that was fine. Standing upright, Susan took in the view from the top of the hill. The grey light from the clouds made everything look bleak and dead, but without leaves in the way, she could see far over the hills. It was strangely quiet and desolate in the bush, as if every living thing was hiding from her. Perfect. The wind snatched the word from her mouth and silence permeated her world again. She was alone in the middle of nowhere, where she couldn't hurt another living thing, even if she tried. Susan had banished all thought of trying to change into a wolf on purpose. The thought of losing control and hurting someone else was too terrifying to entertain. But out here, in this bleak stand of trees and rocks, there wasn't anyone to hurt except herself. A tall oak tree rose above the crown of the hill, its branches of brown, withered leaves, sweeping up over the rocks. Susan scampered down a small, stony shelf towards its bowl. There was a little shelter from the wind between the rocks and the tree. Susan stripped off her hoodie and continued peeling off layers of clothes, trying not to think about the cold air biting at her skin. Stuffing her clothes in the crook of a branch, Susan crouched down, curling herself into a ball to keep warm. It struck her as ridiculous— crouching naked in the woods this time of year, but it couldn't be helped. She needed to be as far away from people as possible, and she didn't want to get tangled in her stupid clothes again. At least her body was still warm from her run, but her sweat stung as it cooled on her skin. Susan clenched her teeth together to keep them from chattering, 
and closed her eyes, trying to remember how she had changed before. She willed her body to change, but nothing happened. It was somewhat of a relief to know it wasn't that easy. If she could figure out how to trigger the change, maybe she could control it. Susan searched for an answer. The other time she wolfed out, there had been a sense of urgency, almost desperation. But right now, there was only the cold making her uncomfortable. There had to be something to it, like an emotional connection, or maybe it was spiritual. She couldn't put her finger on it. A chill spread through Susan's body. She fought to subdue the shivers it induced. She needed to focus. Thinking about changing wasn't going to make it happen. She had to connect with something more primal than her thoughts. It was a dangerous place to go, but Susan opened the vault of emotions she had locked away to keep herself in check through the horrid week she'd gone through. Grief pricked tears in her eyes, and a hole of guilt grew in her chest. She gave in and let herself cry, and her body shake. The release felt good, but it also brought with it a familiar feeling. The growl. Hiding this time in the back of her throat. Susan tried to grab onto it, but whenever she tried, it would slip away. Maybe it couldn't be corralled after all, or maybe she couldn't force it, only open up and let it take over. Susan took a deep breath and relaxed as much as she could. She was terrified, but she had to try. As she opened up to the growl, a tingling sensation rewarded her, followed by a familiar twitching of her skin. Changing was uncomfortable, but the less she fought it, the quicker and easier it happened. Susan no longer felt cold. There was a new barrier between her and the wind. The temperature felt almost balmy, and Susan couldn't imagine why anyone would need clothes in this weather. Looking down at her feet, Susan saw she was covered in white and tawny fur, the same color as her hair. She lifted her hand, watching as the paw rose in kind. She seemed to be in control. Susan sat on her haunches, taking her time to feel the new arrangement of her muscles, slowly stretching and flexing her body. She rose to her feet, shifting her weight, feeling her new balance on all fours. As odd as it felt, her legs were sturdy enough beneath her. After taking stock of herself, Susan turned her attention to the bush around her. It had changed, too. The forest was alive with smells and sounds she had only a vague sense of before, but the colors were muted and dull, as if something was missing. The browns of the forest weren't the same, and everything looked gray and green instead, as if she was looking through a tinted lens. Susan's ears swiveled as they caught a rustling in the leaves. She followed the sound, surprised to find the squirrel that had caused it was much farther away than she expected. Her perception was off and would take some getting used to. All in all, though, she didn't feel horribly wild or out of control like she had before. Susan felt like herself, even if it was a distorted version. She was aware of who she was. That was a start. Susan picked up her feet and tried moving forward. It seemed easy enough, one paw after the other. She sprang forward, breaking into a run, but fell into a tangle of legs crashing through the leaves. Susan righted herself and shook her coat free of debris. Shaking was an odd sensation. It happened without her thinking about it. It was pure instinct. Maybe that was the difference between her human self and her wolf self. Humans think too much. Perhaps this side of her wasn't meant to be controlled. It was instinct, pure and unfettered. The wolf simply was. It did what was needed in the moment. Guilt trickled down the back of her mind. Listening to your instincts was all well and good, but in the end... 
Without a conscience, it could make you a monster. Susan pawed the earth. It smelled rich and welcoming. She lay down in the loam and rolled onto her back, enjoying the smell. She got to her feet again, but froze, as a new scent penetrated the air. Someone was coming. No wait. Not one, but two new scents were emerging. Susan shivered. She didn't know how she knew, but these two weren't human. She crouched down, ready to defend herself. Running wasn't an option. She could hear them now, approaching from the trail she had come down. The first visitor approached head-on without hesitation. Something about it was familiar, and Susan realized it was because it smelled like her as a wolf. Susan drew back her lips, growling a warning. Sure enough, a wolf crested the hill, but it was unlike any wolf Susan had ever seen. It was soft white with the most unsettling blue eyes, eyes no natural wolf would have. It peered down at Susan, unconcerned. Susan was unsure what to make of this creature. It had a lovely warm scent, but before Susan could finish evaluating the white wolf, the second animal appeared. It was smaller and much more unassuming than the wolf. In fact, it was a coyote. His smell was more natural, like the wind and grass. Despite herself, Susan relaxed, at ease with the second interloper. Her growl quieted, though she remained crouched, ready for anything. The coyote pranced forward, sniffing at the tree where Susan had stashed her clothes, then carefully approached Susan herself. He circled her slowly, studying her through hazel eyes. Then he winked at her, and his body began to change. Susan jumped back. The change was disconcerting to watch, and she wondered if that was what she looked like when it happened to her. Instead of becoming fully human, however, the coyote turned into something in between. He grew larger, his limbs elongated and muzzle shortened, but fur still covered his body. He flashed what Susan interpreted as a smile, and then he did something that shocked her. He spoke. Susan Wolf, I presume? We can talk, Susan tried to say, but all that came out of her mouth were garbled sounds. I'll take that as a yes. The coyote boy flashed his teeth at her. The white wolf approached and also semi-shifted into a half-human, half-wolf. Are you all right, Susan? Can you shift out? Its voice was low but unmistakably feminine. Susan didn't understand what she was being asked. The words rattled around in her brain, not making sense. She means can you change back into a human on your own, the coyote interpreted. Susan eyed the boy sideways and nodded. Don't be afraid. We won't hurt you. The coyote's face was too soft and friendly not to believe. Susan's chest burned as if it was splitting in two. Finally, there was someone who would understand, maybe even hold her accountable for what she had done. She wanted to cry, but all that came out was a hiccup and a whimper. It's all right. The coyote reached out a hand to reassure her. As his fingers touched her shoulder, Susan's skin flinched, but she allowed his hand to settle. If he had meant her harm, he and the white wolf could have ripped her apart by now. The coyote pointed at himself. Can you turn into a true werewolf yet? Like this? Susan shook her head. She didn't even know that was possible. Okay, then. How about you shift back into a human, and we'll have a little chat. And don't even think about running away, the wolf growled. I guarantee I'm faster than you. Evie, the coyote scolded her. Can't you smell she's scared? Obviously. That's why I warned her. In case she gets any bright ideas. 
Ignore her. The coyote waved the wolf away. That's what I do anyway. The white wolf stormed off, grumbling to herself, while the boy followed Susan over to the oak tree. Susan wondered if he was going to watch her change back, but before she could try, the boy was on the other side of the tree, facing away. Susan willed herself to change, and this time it came without a fuss. Cold air bit into her exposed skin once more, and Susan scrambled to get dressed. When she was finished, she peeked around the tree, but the coyote was gone. A bark drew Susan's attention to a little hollow halfway down the hill, where the wolf and coyote were sitting, sheltered from the wind. The thought of running did occur to Susan, but she had no doubt the wolf would make good on its threat, so she walked over to the hollow where she had been summoned. "'Who are you?' Susan studied their faces, still unsure what they wanted from her. "'My name is Leslie Burns,' the coyote said, "'and this is my sister Evelyn, but you can call us Les and Evie.' Something about the word sister didn't click, "'You're related?' Evie laughed, like clockwork. "'Don't worry, you're not the first, nor will you be the last to second-guess us.' "'Well, technically we're only pack-siblings,' Les corrected her. "'But that's kind of a long story. "'Unfortunately, we don't have time for that right now. "'We're here to talk about you, Susan.' "'The pit of Susan's stomach dropped. "'You're here about Jim, aren't you?' "'Les's eyes softened. "'Yes, we are.' But that's not the only reason we're here. Let me start out by saying that we're here to help you, despite this big grump sitting next to me. Call me Sue. Despite wanting to be cautious, Susan also wanted someone she could trust with her secret. Les seemed like he would listen. Right, Sue then, Les said. We're here as representatives of a world you now find yourself neck deep in. Clearly you are aware that you're a werewolf. Werewolf. Susan let the word sink in. It was official. Then her mind reeled. Wait, what do you mean, world? How many of us are there? Many. Evie glared at her. I know you probably have a lot of questions, Sue, Les said. It's going to be a lot to take in for the first little while. Basically, we're a community within the wider human world. We're nowhere near as numerous as humans, but we live among them, all over the world. How come I've never heard of you, then? Well, we try to stay under the radar, so to speak, like a shadow to the human world, always there out of the corner of your eye, but whenever you look straight at us, you miss us. This is insane. Susan plunked herself on a rock near the edge of the hollow, trying to register this information. Any more insane than turning into a wolf? Les laughed. Look, I know it's a lot to take in, but we're here to help. How? Susan spat out the word, as if it left a bitter taste in her mouth. Jim's dead. There's nothing you can do to fix that. No, we can't change things for Jim, but we can help you. What makes you think I want your help? Les spoke slowly. We're here for you, Sue, to guide you through the ins and outs of our world and the pending investigation on the death of James Shen. It was too much. If these strangers wanted her head, they might as well take it now. Well, I did it. I'm the one who killed him, so case closed. We can all go home now. It's not that simple, Sue. Les's face took on a pained expression. It's not? Susan's voice rose. What's so difficult for you to understand? I'm a monster. I killed someone. And you clearly feel remorse about it, Les reasoned with her. 
Being a werewolf can be anything but simple when you have no idea how to control the power you have at your disposal. Tell that to Jim's family. Susan mustered as much venom as she could, no longer bothering to contain her rage. I know you feel responsible, Sue, but it's not your fault. Les's kindness was scathing. Then whose fault is it? Who do I get to blame? Susan yelled, but the faces before her remained motionless and hard to read. Tears blurred her vision, so she shoved her face into her knees and began to sob. A hand stroked Susan's shoulder, and she looked up, surprised to see the white wolf sheltering her, her blue eyes flooded with concern. Sue, I'm sorry you've gone through this. Losing someone you care about is a terrible thing to go through, and it's even worse when you feel you're the one responsible. Susan fell into Evie's arms and cried. Her fur was surprisingly soft and her presence comforting. Letting her anger and grief go lifted a heavy weight off Susan's chest, but the empty hole in its place made her feel like she was learning to breathe all over again. There now, Evie stroked Susan's back. I know this is hard for you, and normally we wouldn't be pushing you like this, but Jim's death isn't the only reason we're here. Evie, Les warned. I don't think we should be putting extra stress on Susan right now. What do you mean? Susan sat up. What else is going on? Look, Les shook his head, clearly weighing how much to say and how much to hold back. We've got a lot to go over in a short period of time, and we're already putting you through the ringer. No, it's fine. Susan rubbed the tears away with her palms, straightening her back, trying to appear as put together as she could. I'm fine. I'm sorry I yelled at you guys. It's to be expected. Evie pulled away, watching Susan carefully. So what do we do now? Susan wiped her tear-stained face with her sleeve. Well, we still have a lot of things to explain to you, and when we're done, if you want, I can be the one to represent you in our system, Les said. What, like a lawyer or something? Something like that. We're called advocates, and since you're a minor with no known werewolf relatives, you need an elder to represent and guide you. An elder? Susan snorted. At least Les was making her laugh. Come on, you can't be that much older than me. I'm older than I look. Les grinned, challenging Susan to question him further. Susan didn't want any more confrontation, so she looked up at the sky. I should be getting home. My mom will freak out if she wakes up and I'm not around. Wait, what about my mom? Should I tell her about this? Normally, we'd be contacting your parents right away, but due to extenuating circumstances, Les scratched his head, leaving his words hang. Susan's head began to throb. Fine, I won't say anything right now, but at least let me go home and come up with some excuse to leave the house. Then we can meet someplace and you can tell me everything I need to know. That concludes Chapter 7. Runaway is currently available for you to listen to for free. I will release a new chapter every week until the book is finished. But if you can't wait to find out what happens, the ebook is available through Kobo and Amazon. Just search for Sabine Wilder or get a direct link from my website at sabinewilder.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to give me feedback, you can always email me at sabine at sabinewilder.com. Don't forget to rate this podcast and help me grow. Thank you for listening and have a pleasant night.